Welcome to Books with Bitches. I'm Maria. And I'm Madison. Welcome. And today we are going over The Witch's Heart, the last section of The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornicek. Yay. I'm so glad you can say her last name. <laughs> I hope that's how you say her last name. It's better than I would have <laughs> said it. Do you have any housekeeping? Uh, I do have housekeeping. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah, our DMs are open there. And subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you don't want to DM us on Instagram, you can always email us at bookswbitches. Bitches is spelled with a one at gmail.com. Yay. Anything else? No, I think that's it. We always just forget to do that part, so. God, I'm the worst. But, so we're reading pages 236, like the middle of the page to the end. Last section. Yeah, anything we're going to talk about before we start the five-sentence summaries? No, I think if you would like to take lead in the five-sentence summary, go ahead. Okay, so last we left Agraboda, she was, she just met a very old wolf who was like, you're the mother witch. And then Agrabota is like, okay, I need to figure myself out. Do you want to come with me? And the wolf is like, yeah, let's be besties again. Fuck you for forgetting me. She is just traveling around with the wolf and she starts like seeing and hearing things kind of through other people's view. And then eventually she runs into Scotty again, I think. And then she tells her that Thor is hunting Jorgamond and that Fenrir bit off Tyr's hand because side note on Greek. Mytho- not Greek, <laughs> Norse mythology. Fenrir was like suspicious. They're like, oh, Fenrir, let's play a game where we, we tie you up and we'll see how, how long it takes you to, to break the bonds. And then Fenrir is like, you can tie me up and if I can't get out, I get to eat your hand. And so they oh. tied Fenrir up. And he couldn't get out. So Fenrir is like, all right, I'm going to eat your hand now. But yeah, so then one day Freya comes and is a bitch. And I think at this point, Agrabota can't really channel Saeed anymore, but she helps right. her. And then she's like, I can't do it anymore since Odin kind of forced me to do it. And I was like, it sounds like Odin mind raped you. And that's not okay. But anyways. Yeah, Odin's a horrible dude. Yeah, we knew that already. Um, I'm gonna say that's my second sentence, even though it was really long. And so my third sentence... What the fuck? Bitch, there are so many run-on sentences then. Okay, but I had a side note to explain something. Because I was anyway. like, oh, Fenrir just bit off someone's hand. I mean, I know, but okay, anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, third for, sentence. Little... Agrabota goes to her daughter's region, realm, which is like Niflheim or Hell. And uh, it, it is not a joyous reunion. No. So she goes back and she's just like adventuring around. Eventually she meet ups, She meets up with Scotty again. I think eventually she tells Scotty, she's like, gotta, we gotta break the world. Because winter has already settled in. I think we already knew that. Yes. Yeah, so. But she's like telling Scotty, we gotta break the world. So Agrabota breaks the world. And then we get Ragnarok. The bookend. Yay. I thought you froze for a second. That's why I can't. No, it's just me doing jazz hands, but not moving my fingers. Okay. My turn. Yeah. So again, Angerboda finds out that she is Mother Witch and she goes on a journey with the wolf in search of Angerboda's children. Along her travels, she realizes she can't do Saeed. Saeed? Saeed? I don't know. My apologies for getting it wrong. So she, she can't do it, but she's trying to reach her children in which Freya, although she they don't get along, 
helps her. Angerboda reunites with Hell, and it's not a good reunion. And Angerboda is basically like, when Ragnarok happens, come find me. That is my only plea to you. Angerboda goes back to the cave and she lives with Scotty. So we have a wonderful relationship that blossoms from a friendship to lovers. And then Ragnarok happens and Hel comes back to her mother and Angerboda sacrifices herself to save Hel. The end. Way to spoil the ending. Oh, well. <laughs> it's not like they're reading it while they're listening to the podcast. I mean, fair. You're like, it's the last section. Also, I'm having coffee and chai tea right now. That sounds like a bad decision. It's like a dirty chai or separately? Dirty chai. Oh. Okay. And now my heart is like racing. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, that sounds like a bad decision on your part. But it's so yummy. I know. I make chai concentrate. How do you do that? Uh, a lot of spices and tea. Oh, okay. I mean, I can send you the recipe. It makes like Please. a gallon, though. I know. I don't need all half it. I mean, it makes a lot, and then you can just keep it. You keep the concentrate in the jar, and you just like shake it, and then you just add how much milk you want. Oh, cool. So if you could Except do that. I add pumpkin spice creamer, so I make pumpkin spice chai. Yeah, this is pumpkin spice chai tea. Yeah. yeah. And then black coffee, and then I made pumpkin cold foam. So now there's. I'm just a pumpkin bitch. Yeah. So when are you posting fucking basic white girl bitches pictures to the Instagram like I am? Is today my day? What's today, Monday? Uh, today's no, Monday. Today's it's my day, day, but I need to make more chai tea concentrate and put it in my little basic mug and take a picture of a book with it. Luke has Life and Death, the Twilight retelling that's gender oh. bent. And I'm like, this is the most white girl shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture with it. Well, I will try and take a white girl, a white bitch picture, basic bitch picture tonight when the sunset comes out. Oh, okay. Anyway. So moving on, sections three. <sighs> Chapters. So it starts with Angerboda's journey continued, but after she met the she-wolf, the presence of Mother Witch was no longer the forefront of her mind. Perhaps it sensed that its purpose had been served and it's leading her to her old friend, who despite not having the answers Angerboda sought, had at least pointed her in the right direction. So she's like, I can't feel her anymore because it's me. Also, side note to our listeners and you know this as well but they don't so i listened to the first half of this section on audiobook because i thought we were i was rushing to finish this book so we could record and then i finally switched back to reading the physical copy so i don't have too many notes so i may be quiet um until we get closer to the end so just a side note no madison's just a kind and likes to take over everything so she goes in and they're just like traveling around doing things anger boda's like i'm an old lady and then she charms the witch the not the witch the wolf to like sometimes appear as a uh i think it's like an old dog or something an elk yeah. hound. elk hound so the creature could stay at her side and then she and then the she-wolf says it's good to see you're still making your concoctions. Mother Witch was a healer first. It pleases me to see that you remember how to work this magic. But also, side note, on page 237, it mentions again that Angerboda is experiencing these very painful headaches. Mm -hmm. And then she says, there was no warning and she'd be unable to move for hours, dizzy and nauseated, and she had yet to devise a potion that would take all the pain away. But does that have to deal with the fact that they killed her for a what fourth time by smashing her head 
I, I don't know if it's the head trauma or you finally get to remember who you are. Right. That is or causing that. Or that Odin, basically, as you put it, traumatized her mind when it came to performing aid. Yeah. So I feel like it's a multiple thing, a multiple or a multitude of things that are causing yeah. these headaches for her, which is unfortunate because she has this long journey on top <laughs> of dealing with this pain so it's funny because the she wolf goes you could always ride on my back and i could pull that dratted card of yours oh side note the wolf still hates the card yes <laughs> and she goes it's a wagon and it's fine and she's like you used to ride me you know in the old days and she's like i used to ride you how and she's like put your walking stick in my mouth so she does and then it transforms into a pair of thick reins stemming from either side of the wolf's mouth Rain's pattern to look like snakes, green and yellow, with green and yellow snail with amber eyes. You've always had a thing for wolves and snakes, homie. It makes oh, sense. I guess so. <laughs> a wolf and a snake child. And then she doesn't even ride her. I'm just glad that they have a friendship or like a bond between them and that Angerbo doesn't have to, have to do this alone. Because I know that when she had to leave Scotty, she was like, if I do, if I stay here or if she asked me again, I would not go. Yeah. Sometimes you really want to be with someone, but you know it's not the right decision. Mm -hmm. But you could still be persuaded to stay with them because that's what you really want versus you being like, no, right. go. And then they keep asking and you're like, stop making me want to change my mind. That's what I've noticed, like, when it comes to, like, food, when I say no, I can't have it and people keep pushing. And so when I do the same to other people, I'm like, do you want this? Are you sure? And then I'm like... I don't like when people do that to me. They probably don't like the same thing. So I just go, you know what? You already said no once. I'm not going to ask you again. What really pisses me off is people who want you to ask again so they can then say yet. They're like, oh, they insisted. Right. And they're like, well, you didn't ask again. It's like, well, you already said no. Right. So what do you want me to say? Yeah. But anyway, going back to the book. Women. <laughs> um, let's see. I have on page 239... For one joy joyous moment, her spell held up. She felt the heat, but it was distance, and the flames licked her hand, but it didn't burn. Her eyes snapped open, and for the first time in possibly an ent her entire existence, she grinned with triumph. And to think, came Loki's words suddenly to her mind, you were once a powerful witch, witch who did interesting things. The mm -hmm. thought of him broke her concentration, and Anger Boda yelped in pain and immediately pulled her hand from the fire, clutching it to her chest. So you see she's starting to get that connection back, mm -hmm. but the pain of the betrayal is still affecting her. Which is so sad, because it's like, you were in love with this person, and you didn't think that they were going to do something to hurt you, and instead they hurt you. And took your children away and betrayed your children. The problem is, is like Loki literally gave her heart back. Right. And then he just like destroyed it. Not a fan. Yeah. I feel sorry for him near the end of the book when we start learning some things, but right. I'm still upset. <laughs> I have something on 243 if you have anything. No. So just for like, what is it like brevity's sake? It's like a break and it's Angerboda at night practicing her spell. And then at some point they go to a party and she's like working as a server. And this is where she starts to learn things from Parad and Hyde. Oh, Hyde is her name. Sorry. Oh, Hin Hindala? Yeah. Hindala? No, Hindala is her new name. What the fuck? Okay. Well, Hade was becoming Sorry. too noticeable of a name for a split second. She floundered and then decided to call herself Hindala. Sorry. She's at the party of Hamir and Hrod, and Hrod is the wife. And then you find out that Hamir and Hrod are Tyr's parents. And that is how, where she learns 
that Thor is hunting Jorgamond and that Fenrir, Scotty's at the party and is telling how Fenrir bit off Tyr's hand. Um, so on page two, 243, we see near the end of the page, it's like, their host, Tamir, an enormous man, sat in the high seat and was recounting in a booming voice how he and Thor had gone fishing for the Midgar serpent, Yurgamond. She barely kept her face straight as she milled about the hall, filling cups as she went and listening to the tale. Thor had arrived under a false name and was offered hospitality, but had quickly taken advantage by eating two whole oxen, so Hymir suggested they go fishing for their next meal. Thor then killed another of Hymir's oxen and used its head to draw the Midgar serpent from the sea, and then he had broken Hymir's boat as he struggled to keep the serpent on his line. Mir had ended up cutting the line, but that hadn't stopped Thor from getting a blow in on the serpent's skull with his hammer, at which point Hymir realized whom he'd just gone fishing with. Angerboda was livid. To add insult to injury, Thor had then stolen Hymir's mile-wide cauldron to brew enough ale for the gods. By the end of the story, the entire hall was as furious as Angerboda. And everyone's like, the Aesir are thieves and deceivers. And so you see the discontent still brewing between the Aesir and the giant. Mm -hmm. Scotty is there. Yay. Yay. And of course, Angerboda has to do everything she can to not be like, I'm here. I miss you. Yeah, and then they're like, shut up, Scotty, you're one of them. And she goes, boo. <laughs> I was going to tell the one about the binding of the great wolf. It's a tale near and dear to me, though I only heard it told from one another. Uh, we know that one too. It happened quite some time ago, grunted a hill troll. They stole him and his brother in hell away from their mother, you know, Scotty went on, raising her voice so it would reach everyone in the hall, tied her up and stole them in the night. But the joke was on them, for Fenrir grew so big that they knew that they couldn't keep him in Asgard for long. The only way they could restrain him was tricky trickery. Fenrir allowed the gods to, bind to try binding him because he knew he could easily break any fetter they had. So they went to dwarves to craft a special one, made from the beard of a woman and the foot fall of a cat and the other such magical nonsense. The trick was that it didn't look strong, so they thought they could fool him into putting it on, saying there was no harm in it because he'd broken bonds that were made of iron. But Fenrir was smarter than all that. Before he agreed to put on the fetter, he said, if it's truly so easy to break, then let someone put their hand in my mouth as a token of good faith that you're not deceiving me. And that's how Tyr lost his hand and how the great wolf became trapped. My point is, friends and kinsmen, that we giants have outsmarted the Azir before. We can surely do it again. And then Angerboda thinks to herself, so that's how he became bound in those same fetters he broke free from in my vision. So it's starting together and she's like, all right, things are coming together for things to get broken out of to cause Ragnarok. And then at the bottom of 245, bold of you to tell a tale of how my son Tyr was maimed in my very own hall, said Hamir once the assembly had quieted. But the truth of it is that he's as bad as the rest of the Azir and helped Thor steal my cauldron to boot. Amir is Tyr's father. Angerboda had heard conflicting stories of Tyr's parentage in the past, but to hear him confirmed as a giant angered her. Our bloodlines are truly not so divided, and yet the Azir think they are so much better than us. I had a little note after we see Scotty in the hall where Angerboda's like, I'm, everything in my soul is telling me to run to her and every, but she doesn't. And I put my nose like, do you think this ends with them getting together? And we know the answer, but did you want me to get back together in this at this point? I, I did because I felt like Scotty did more for Angerboda spiritually, mentally and like physically than Loki did. Loki was always gone because he had his other wife, whereas Scotty would do whatever she could to like make sure that Angerboda was taken care of. I mean, but Scotty has gone a lot, too, you know, but on a schedule. But she always comes back. 
I mean, if you want to argue, Loki always comes back. Yeah, but he's a fucking piece of shit. Well, yeah. Anyways. Next thing I have is on 247. Okay. It was the dead in the night when the voice, when a voice sounded from the mouth of the shallow cave, wake up, sister, I have need of your wisdom. It was Freya. And then, and when she caught sight of Angerboda's face, she drew back, startled. You, she hissed, you're alive. What are you doing here? Angerboda was on her feet in an instant, all thoughts of rest forgotten. Her head spun as in, as it sometimes did when she rose too quickly. And a scar on her temple pounded for a moment as if the wound were new. How did you find me? And she's like, I'm seeking a witch who rides the wolf with snakes for reins. But I didn't know you were she. You have many names now, it seems. So and Freya then just wanted... She wants... Help from Angerboda. I'm just trying to read and see. So, like, Angerboda just... realizes that Freya has no idea that she can't perform seed, um, say. And at the bottom of 248, you're confused, said Freya. But anger flashed across her face for a second before she wiped it primly away. Or primly away. She shifted and her famous golden necklace gleamed in the torchlight. This is but a boar, battle swine, whom the dwarfs made for me. I will learn the lineage of my protege, Otar, so that he can claim his kingship in Midgard. Will you tell me what I wish to know or what? Why not ask Frigg? It's said that Odin's wife knows the fates of all men. But... At the bottom of 249, maybe she'd be willing to help me if I paid her price. The thought of asking Freya for help made her want to vomit, but as she saw it, it was the only choice she had. And then Freya says, did you know Loki tried to bargain for your life? And she said, speak not of Loki to me. Freya ignored her. It was so sad. He agreed to distract you so I could bind you while we gathered up your little monsters. And then he was so very upset when Thor put his hammer to your skull instead on Odin's order. I dare say the trickster hasn't been the same since. Then add that to the oaths that gods have broken. Angerboda snapped. Do you know why I can't perform Sade? Then, did Odin do something to me that night? Did he trap me somehow in my body and make me so I'm unable to travel? Such things we women are made to endure, Freya said quietly, and with such feeling that Angerboda almost felt a twinge of French feminine kinship with her. No, he did nothing to you besides the obvious. It seems to me that it's fear that's holding you back. Fear of being forced down and held under. I've tried going as deep as you have, but I cannot. None can. If you tell me what it is I need to know, I will guide you down as far as I can go. Do we have a bargain? I accept, said Angerboda. So, Freya helps her get back her Saeed, and then she says, You just need a little push to leave your body. It's like ripping a band-aid from a, a wound. And then she says, I forced you down, but no further. The rest is up to you. Remember our bargain. All right. So whatever. She tells Freya what she wants to know. And then Freya leaves after threatening to burn down the cave. So she goes back to go touch the Yggdrasil. And the tree took her down, down, and down. So she goes to, I think it's Niflheim, which is Hell's region. The last bridge. So yes, we find out that. Angerboda can do Sade again. Found herself, this is on 254. She soon found herself in the daughter in her daughter's hall, dark and fearsome and carved into the side of a cliff, by, lit by a phantom glow that came from nowhere. Hell, it seemed, had inherited her father's dramatic flair. And it's so sad, though. So, like, on 255, Hell goes... So you finally died then. She realized then that there were, there were to be no cries of joy, no cheerful embrace. Mother and daughter simply looked at each other from across the hall. No, of course not. All this time, I thought that the gods had really killed you. Until this very night, I had no way to reach you, Angerboda said. Not even dying brought me here. For so long, I thought you were dead. I mourned you, hell went on. I even built a monument to you in the eastern gates, but I could never find you in my realm. So I wondered, you have some explaining to do, mother. Angerboda took a deep breath to cover her internal winds. 
The last time Hell had spoken to her, she was mama. Now she was mother, and when Hell spoke the word, it was cold as ice. Angerboda says, I couldn't leave my body as I had before. I had no way of seeing you, nor contacting your brothers. And Hell says, a lively story. Her expression, her expression was distant, like she was remembering something from ages past. I waited to see you here. I've waited forever. You were dead. Thought you were just lost, but you never came. I knew my father would never come for me, but I thought you were different. She lowered her voice to a whisper. He called us monsters, but I'm not a monster. My brothers were monster, but I wasn't. I was just a little girl. And then she said, you should have come for me, mother. I'd hoped you'd come, but you didn't. And then this is where you find out that Angerboda's solves, salves, what are they called? Salves. Sabs, whatever, the healing things that she makes. We're really helping her, her dead legs stay alive because now she just has skeleton legs. Or so, Hell whipped aside the bottom of her just to show her her legs, merely bone now with blue gray, gray flesh still clinging in some places, held together by only a few tendons and a lot of magic. And then Angerboda. Huh? Well, I just want to say, so, you know, Angerboda is like, hell, I'm so, so sorry, but you must listen to me. I finally managed to travel again. And those are the first person I wanted to see. They killed me that night. And before she was like, if you knew what had been done to me, you wouldn't speak to me this way. And all the while, hell is just like, I don't care. You left me. And it's just like, I can understand where hell's coming from, but like the amount, like, I can only imagine the amount of pain and just like how sad and heartbroken Angerboda must feel. Be like, I'm trying to explain myself to you, but you won't have any of it because you feel like I betrayed you. When in reality, this all happened because of your father. Like, it's your father you should be mad at, not me. I'm pretty sure she's mad at Loki too. But from Hell's point of view, like, Angerboda saw what happened when Hell got dragged down to Niflheim, Hell's now region. Mm hmm she was getting attacked and she's like six, five or six years old. Like we assume Hell is a, a young woman now. So for f at least 15 years, she's been alone mm -hmm. here ruminating in her anger. So I can't blame either of them. Right. And then Hell has the argument of, she goes talking about the Ragnarok. She's like, I know Ragnarok. I see more than you'd think down here. I know of fate as do Frigg and Freya and the Norns. You're not special to the gods because you can access this dangerous knowledge. You're only the most disposable to Odin. How many more times are you going to let the Aesir kill you, mother, before you realize that? And then she says, you, the old witch in the woods, doing no harm so that no harm will come to you. You forget that your enemies strike first and they strike harder and they do not give you the same respect that you give them. I mean, hell's not wrong. <laughs> She's like, mm -mm. you can't trust them. They're just going to hurt you even though you're not hurting them. Angerboda says, you're not listening to me. I've not been idle this entire time. I've been trying to come up with a way to save you. I can save you. And she says, there you go, meddling again, mother. Have you forgotten what happened the last time you tried to save me? And then she gestured at her covered legs. I want none of it. So it goes back to hell is now mad. She's like, I was going to die in the womb and you should have let mm -hmm. me. So then after, you know, their little quarrel, 258, come to me when the end begins, Angerboda whispered. When your father comes to you, come to me. I'll protect you. I swear it. You may have rejected me as your mother, but you are still my daughter. You have no daughter, witch, and I have no father. Be gone and take that worthless piece of wood with you. Because Angerboda brought her little wolfie statue and Hell said, fuck you, mom. So Angerboda then goes to the Eastern Gate and then she reads the runes that are carved in the doorway. This is the Eastern Gate and it is dedicated to my mother. But Hell was no one was... And then she said, who would summon me to my own grave? So 
all of a sudden, this thing comes up astride the oddest of horses. When they were mere feet away from mere feet away from her, they stopped and Angermona recognized Schlepnir, the eight-legged horse her husband had birthed an age ago. And obviously, Schlepnir was a gift to Odin, so Angermona knows exactly who she's talking to. Odin says, they said a wise woman was buried here. Most think you died that night, your daughter included. Perhaps I should have known. And then she says, what man is that who summoned me? A difficult road you have, tr I have traveled to come to this place and i've been dead a long time and he's like meh 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 i'm victim the wanderer and everyone's like no you're not fuck you angerboda tells odin victim that hell has brewed her mead for balder son of odin who shall be slain by a sprig of mistletoe and now i've told you too much and i shall be silent so she tells him how balder's gonna die and then she leaves after saying ragnarok's coming there's nothing you can do to stop it <laughs> she sagged against the she-wolf and held the figurine to her chest i will make this up to you i swear it and i will do it by making sure you survive ragnarok and she's swearing that to hell because hell is the only one of her children she didn't see die in her vision. Mm -hmm. On page 261, the only thing I have now is that she is reaching down to the Yggdrasil again and trying to reach out to Jorgamond in the deepest part of the vast ocean or Fenrir bound somewhere unknown. But they were out of her reach. And that's all I have for that. Yeah, I don't have anything. Okay, and then on page 262 slash 263, mere days later, the gods caught up with her again, this time in the form of two enormous black ravens. And they said, you, which the Aesir require your assistance. She's like, can you guys just leave me alone? And they say, you owe us a favor for whose death yourself foretold. And they're like, Baldur's dead by your husband's own hand that Baldur was slain. I have no husband. And she's like, wait, Loki killed him? And then she's like, I saw Hod shoot the mistletoe into Baldur's heart, but Hod is blind, which means that someone must have guided his hand. Odin's mm. son, yeah, all but a young sprig of mistletoe, which Loki, the deceiver, sharpened into a dart for Hod to use to slay his brother. But something still wasn't adding up. She herself hadn't known that Loki would be the one to slay Baldur, so how could Odin have known? Was Loki being framed, punished for a crime that he did not commit? You lie. Loki is many things. I, but a murderer? You must do a favor for an innocent, Huggin said. Or Huggin added, like it hadn't hurt her. That's what I get for arguing with birds, I suppose. And then, yes, the ship won't budge. Neither Thor can move it, and the Azir fear that it's bewitched. So she shows up on her wolf, and she pushes it off the shore. Ta-da! Yay. And she's like, God, I hope this isn't a trick where I push this fucking boat off the beach and then they kill me again. Right. And I was like, I don't blame her for thinking that. And you said that they already pushed the boat in. I mean, technically we haven't gotten that part in the pages, okay. but that's like my short condensed version of they have this long Yeah, I didn't argument. know if we had anything else yeah. to talk about. <laughs> I have like on page 270, like she sees Scotty, she sees all the, the Aesir mourning boulder, and then they decide to go home to the Ironwood. As in the she-wolf and anger Boda. She goes, the woods, her woods, were no longer green as they had been during the years she had dwelled there in her cave, raising her children, but still the place felt familiar. Like, felt like home. And then it looks the same as I left it, the she-wolf said, gray and dead. So we see that it's not just like the ironwood getting better. It was because anger Boda was there that it was getting green again. And as soon as she left or died... It started dying again. Mm. 
Does Frigg come? Frigg does come. Okay. Yes. Your daughter Hel has decreed that if everything in all the worlds will weep for Baldur, he can return from her realms, said Frigg to Angerboda, her stern face set in determination. We gods and goddesses have dispatched ourselves throughout the nine worlds to see that this would be so. Will you shed a tear for him so that my son can return to me? There was a hag in a cave who would not weep, Frigg went on. Let Hel hold what she has. Freya suspected it was you, Angerboda, Iron Witch, so I came to speak with you myself, mother to mother. It was not I, said Angerboda, I, but I have cried enough over the loss of my own children. I have no tears left for yours. So now you have two who will not weep for bold Felder. Balder. Three, said the she-wolf, though Frigg couldn't hear her. But she does end up crying because Frigg argues, would you not wish someone to do the same if it was your children? And she says, if enough tears could have saved my children from their fates, I would have made them made all of the worlds weep, said Angerboda after a moment. One tear dripped on her cheek and she wiped it hastily away. The she-wolf imita- imitated her. There, it is done. That was not just for Boulder. All right, so everyone cried but that hag, and they're like, Loki stands by his deed, it seems, though she will point out, if he's committed to Boulder staying dead. Let hell hold what she has, Angerboda murmured. And suddenly, the thought of Loki getting his face bashed into the side of a mountain didn't seem so sweet. And then she's like, let's, let's go home. All uh, of a sudden, on page 273, after they get into the woods... She found Loki slumped in her chair when she went inside. And he says, they said you were dead. And he says, Boda, I've been looking for you. They said you were. They said, and I, like a fool, I believed them. And then she thinks to herself, if Loki had known I was alive, what would have been different? And he admits he was the one who's like, I killed Boulder and I wouldn't weep for Boulder. So he's staying with hell and the Aesir are out for my blood. And then she's like, you can't be here because they're going to find you. My spell doesn't work anymore. The gods are coming for you just as they came for me all that time ago, just as they came for our children. Thanks to you. You, she said, had the nerve to come here. I had nowhere else to go. This was my home, but no longer get out. If it's as you say, they'll be here soon. You have to help me. I will do no such thing. And how can I help you anyway? You destroyed your own family, betrayed your own children, and now you've slain a son of Odin. You've slain your blood brother's kin, your own kin. I cannot help you. I cannot do a thing. Will you even let me apologize? I wanted to, but it was too late because you were, I thought you were gone. I never thought I would get the chance. It's not me you should apologize to. The boys are beyond my reach. Was I visited hell? She was not happy to see me. And then he's like, oh, how is she? Because obviously his favorite child. <laughs> She's her favorite, yeah. <laughs> Cruel, powerful, and lonely. And she blames me for all of it when she should be blaming you. And then Loki's argument is I did what I could for all of them. And no, you didn't. <laughs> when does he fucking leave? <laughs> At some point, Loki's like, you have power, don't you, to protect me? And she's like, I could, but I'm not going to. Right. And then, so Angerboda asks finally, why did you kill your brother's son? And he said, the gods took everything from us, Boda. I thought it was high time I took something from them. Tears pricked Angerboda's eyes at this. Even not knowing what would happen, not knowing what he was fated to do, Loki did it anyways. He thinks all of this is within his control, within our control, and I envy his ignorance. And then another thought struck her. Let hell hold what she has. Took something, someone from them, and gave it to our daughter. So do we remember from the second part where hell's like sitting under the tree and Boulder, like their ball rolls over to her and Boulder's like, welcome to Asgard. No, I don't remember. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Been a while since I read section two. Do you have anything else? On 278, 
Oh, there's some at some point on page 276 where, oh, so before she could ask, he saw his opening, saw that she had softened. He stepped closer to her and said quietly, if you ever held any love for me, you would help me now. Those words, her words from the night her children were taken, stabbed her like a knife to the gut. And she was ready for such a threat, for she had one of her own. If you had ever held love, any love for me, she said coldly, you would understand why I cannot help you and will not help you, and you would leave. And then he just fucking leaves. So Angerboda sits in her chair, playing with the figurine, and the best thing ever happens on page 278. Yay! Scotty arrived at her door a few days later. And she's like, your wolf almost didn't let me pack. You did want me to come here, right? Or did I misunderstand that look you gave me at Boulder's funeral? Women know how to talk with their eyes. And then they talk about it. And she's like, Loki came here, right? And she's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, you turned him away? And he's like, yeah, because he sucks. I'm sure she still wants to chop off his balls, though. I'm pretty sure in Loki's binding, Scotty does chop off his balls, but it's not mentioned in this. And then she asks what happened to him. And then she's like, he went to the feast where the Aesir were holding at at the Aesir's. He forced Odin to seat him, citing their kinship, and proceeded to insult everyone present. The insults only served to roll off of him like water from a leaf. Then Thor arrived and made him leave by threat of violence. Anyways, he left and was hunted down, and then he was captured and bound not two days ago. I don't know if I should tell you the rest. And I'm pretty sure Angerboat is like, I already know. <laughs> and then he was taken somewhere distant, somewhere here, somewhere in Midgard. One of his sons with Sinjin was turned into a wolf who then disemboweled the other son. Loki was bound but the second son's guts, which turned to iron. The wolf ran off. No wonder Sinjin reacted the way she did that night of, at the river if that's what you made her see. Then a snake was hung above Loki's head, dripping venom on his face. He writhed so painfully, it felt as though all of Midgar shook. But the Aesir allowed Sinjin to stay with him, with a bowl to catch the poison reluctantly, for they think he doesn't deserve so much, as so do I. But at least this way, he will be too distracted to try to think of his own way out of this. It was necessary. So her and Scotty just get to do like domestic partnership. Yay. And then on page 281. And some other things. Um. (laughs) And then on page 281, (laughs) there's at least three feet of snow and they're like, Bumble winter, Angerboda whispered. Baldur's death and Loki's binding are the start of Ragnarok. And that is why they're calling... They're calling my prophecy. And next comes three years of winter. And then the old she-wolf is like, I like Scotty. She can understand me. All right. Can we keep her? Yeah. So the next is one year later. And Scotty uh, The winter up. escalated. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You go. Yeah, you go. I've been talking too much. The winter escalated quickly and Scotty left the cave before the mountain passes where it snowed in. Angerboda did not expect to see her again for some time. And she wondered what she was going to do for three long years, sitting here with the she-wolf. Work on my spell, suppose. I suppose. Scotty had not asked her to go to the mountains with her again, and Angerboda tried not to be disheartened by that. But Scotty did something unexpected. She packed every single provision and possession she could from her hall, loaded everything onto three sledges, donned her skis, and let all her reindeer down from the mountain. So then Scotty says, I know you didn't invite me here for winter, but your wolf did. So I understand this is her home too. But thank goodness Scotty was like, I'm moving in anyway, because 
you need me in your life. It's like, yes, I need you in my life. Like I said, domestic partnership. It's the end times, my friend. And while I'm hardly worried about us surviving, I cannot say the rest the same for the rest of this realm. I suppose it won't surprise you to hear that the giants have been growing restless and angry. But it's in our nature to be that way. It's been worse ever since Baldur was killed and Loki bound. And it's like they're rallying around him. It's a flimsy excuse, but we've always been combative sort of people, haven't we? The giants will take any chance to take down the gods once and for all. But if we're to fight, Jotunheim must survive the winter. And then they're like, oh, well, I see what reminds of Gerd's old garden, and you can resume making your hunger potions for me to dispense all over Jotunheim in Midgard. And I was like, gross, fucking Gerd, she sucks. We hear about her on page 285. Oh, it says, says, do you ever think about your cousin Gerd? Angerboda asked Scotty one night as they sat across from each other in the witch's table. Scotty had just returned from one of her long trips, her cheeks still red from the cold, steaming boy a bowl of stew cupped in her hands. I don't think about her often enough. When I visited Grimir's for supplies, her old mother was shuffling about the hall with her head down. She speaks of Gerd in the past tense, as though she died rather than wed. She has it bad in Asgard, though. She didn't have much of a choice in marrying Frey from... There, it was only a short step further to betray you to the gods, as she was compelled to do so. I cannot excuse what she did to you or her family, but I do recognize why she did it. There's a difference between understanding and forgiveness. It's possible to have one without the other. And Angerboda says, I do understand, but it's as you said, I cannot forgive it. And I hope never to see her again as long as I live. And then Scotty says, you can't forgive Loki and not forgive Gerd. And she says, I have not forgiven Loki. Mm-hmm. What else do I have? Next thing I have is on page 289. Do you have anything? Uh, Scotty's already made a decision that when it comes to fight at the end of times that she's going to. And Angerboda doesn't want her to because she knows that she'll die. But in the end, Scotty says... At least in death, I'll be free from the pain of my father's loss and all of my failures. And then Anger Boda says, you don't believe I can protect you from this. And then she says, you don't believe in me. And Scotty stared her down, first incredulous and then with a swelling fury. You're an absolute fool to assume this has anything to do with you. You cannot be angry with me for wishing to be selfish in this one thing. This is not about you or your feelings, however intent you are on twisting it, because the truth is that I've done all for you, for the gods, for my family. I must do this for myself. Which I was like, go Scotty for calling Angerboda out for being selfish because it's not about you. Mm, I love using that in arguments with Joshua. It's not about you. Mm. <laughs> I have something about an awkward fire shield on page 290. The flame laughed at the hem of her dress as harmless as calm waves on the shore. Her skin remained unscathed, though the embers were uncomfortable under her feet. And all the while, the dark place called to her. It would be so easy to reach out and tap into it, but she ignored the urge and kept her concentration locked on maintaining the barrier around herself. And then uh, Scotty walks in. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I knocked. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, is this your spell to save hell? And she says, yes. I'm glad you came back so I could tell you that I was wrong about what I said before. And I'm sorry. Hooray for communication. Yes, we love it. Healthy relationships. So sexy. A long silence followed. This is on 292. During which Angerboda realized that while she was certainly overthinking her relationship with Scotty, she was definitely not misreading the signs. Scotty's confession had just proven this. Angerboda shook Scotty's hands for everything, for nearly shooting me with an arrow all those years ages ago, 
and then sharing your dinner and then making me furniture. You made me useful by trading my potions. I was desolate indeed when we first met, but you cared for me then. Scotty's voice was very soft. I care for you still, I know. Do you? Loki may have loved you if he could, but all he ever brought you was pain. You know it. We both know it. I wish to be more for you, Angerboda. So much more. I loved you then. I love you now. I will love you until I die. And after, and even after whatever comes then, I will love you still. Even though you're a fool and you've used me the same way that Loki has used you. But I suppose that makes me a fool as well. We're both fools. Things could have been so different. Things can still be different. But the ending remains the same, Angerboda whispered back. The ending doesn't matter. What matters is how we get there. To face what's ahead with as much dignity as we can muster and make up the most of the time we have left. And with that, Scotty reached up and took Angerboda's face in her hands and kissed her with ages worth of longing. And Angerboda put her hands on the other woman's shoulders and returned the kiss. Grant a dead woman's last wish, Scotty whispered. Then they finally pulled apart, placing a trembling hand on each side of the witch's face. And let me share your bed. Truly share it. This night and every night until the end. And Anger Boda did. Yay! Yay! Goals! <laughs> we finally get the love story for the ages. <laughs> yes, I know. I was like, yes! Finally! Fuck yeah! First we have a gay romance in Song of Achilles. And now we have I just love it. You can say lesbian romance. I know I said lesbian romance, but I was just, it was in my voice. So I was just, it makes me happy. Oh, I'm like, it like cut out when you started. Oh, I was like, you can sorry, say no. it. <laughs> I did it in my voice. But... <laughs> I put in my notes, our ship. So they're oh. doing like relationship things and living together. Yeah, they're and... talking about how one of Loki's fears is the people die, the stories continue in poetry and a song, stories of their deeds, of their gods. And then... And Grabota tells Scotty, you will be remembered for all you are and all you've done. Your bravery, your pride, your conviction. I don't see how anyone could ever forget you. If stories are all I'll leave when I'm gone, what happens when there's no one left to remember them? It seems to me we'll all be forgotten in the end. And Angerboda's like, I don't know, Boulder's supposed to live somehow, so... Do you remember when you said you'd marry him? <laughs> <laughs> You ruined the moment. <laughs> he was too young for me anyway. That's he, that he tied his testicles to a goat more than once. Yes, I knew what I was getting into when I agreed to be his wife. Don't worry. So again, the testicles, like, and this well, was in reference Apparently to Loki. Loki's very different after Angerboda died. Yes. And then Angerboda's worried. She's like, Hell hates me. And I, I asked her to come me when Ragnarok starts, but I'm not sure that she is going to. And then she said, and then Scotty asked, is there someone she will listen to? And she's like, no one can reach her. You'd have to die. Or I guess we can make Loki go talk to her because she loves her dad. And then Scotty says, hmm, except for that he betrayed you and got you all and mm -hmm. her brothers taken away from you and all that. But he's still her father and he was always her favorite and she his. Angerboda said begrudgingly, I'd be willing to bet she hear him out. So this gets into why Angerboda is like, I'm going to break the world. And then Scotty's like, don't do it yet. I want more time. I just want more time. I know. Like, how hard would that be? And I feel like this could be a discussion question. So I think I'm going to keep it inside. Yeah, keep it inside. Because I haven't come up with anything on the fly. Well, I'm sure I could come up with some bullshit. <laughs> and then Scotty says, you should do it soon tonight if you can't get it over with the three years are almost up and you don't want someone else to get to him first so anger boda slipped away without leaving the safety of her lover's embrace what page were you on for that 
That was the bottom of 297. Oh, she's at the cave. Yeah, she is in the cave. Do you want to talk about it? So this was very hard for me to listen to. Not by means of like, I didn't understand what was going on. I think it was just hard to like, listen to the torture that someone was going through. What is it called? Uh, what it, What is the thing that's illegal in the Constitution? Unusual punishment? What it, what's, what is the verb? Oh, uh, cruel and unusual yeah. punishment. It's hard to read about the cruel and unusual punishment. Yes. Especially, like, yes, we don't like Loki, but you don't wish any of this pain on anyone. And f- the fact that Angerboda is watching the man that she once loved, who's bound and has poison being dripped on his face. And then it says at the bottom of 298, by the dim light of a handful of nearly empty old braziers strewn about the interior, she looked, she could see Loki kneeling in the center, painfully thin, knees bloody from scraping against the rocky ground, arms secured by iron bonds that stretched out to embed themselves into the cave walls. Similar fetters wrapped around his shoulders and chest, binding him to the cave floor. He was unconscious, dressed with only a dirty pair of pants ripped off mid-thigh, his chest barely rising and falling, ribs standing out with every breath. But that was not the worst part. His face. It was all Anger Boda could do not to recoil in horror at the fresh blood and blisters, layers upon layers of old scars, starting at the bridge of his nose and stretching across both cheeks all the way to his ears. She could see almost every spot where the snake's venom fell and dripped around his face like tears gouging rivers of red in their wake. Some drops had even trickled onto his chest. She had never seen him before with a beard because he'd always shapeshifted it away. Now that he had lacked the energy to do so, the venom had sloughed entire chunks of hair from his face and skin with it. All the while this is happening, she sees Segan, Segan crawling into the glow of one of the braziers. And Angerboda kills a snake. And then Segan comes out and she was like, I've been here since he was basically bonded. She says, you were right, Sigan said at last, what you showed me that night, my sons, I tried to hide them once Loki disappeared, but the gods found them anyway, and they, I know, I shouldn't have told you what I did, said Angerboda, looking at Sigan. it was wrong of me to put this knowledge on your shoulders, and for that I'm truly sorry, I provoked you, Sigan said, I was just so angry, it was bad for the two of us to meet the way we did, we both lost our children in the end, but the difference is, is that I was the cause for you losing yours, I thought I was doing the right thing, and I'm sorry. At least she apologized, but I'm still mad at her. Right. But also, too, I I couldn't find the sentence that says it, but Segan basically was like, I was only asleep for a second. This is 299. 299. I was only asleep for a second. She croaked her voice, seeming long, unused, and she clutched the bowl and began to stand, but froze when she noticed who the visitor was. So, like, she must really have loved Loki, but how sad is that that you love someone who is also in love with someone else but has children with you? You You know what I mean? Like... That just sounds like a reality show waiting to happen, you know? Okay, but here's the thing. Loki didn't want to marry Sigan in the first place. He didn't. Or he didn't, sorry. Yeah, the Aesir are like, you need an Aesir wife. And he's like, I have a wife. And they're like, nope, Aesir wife. What do they call her? Your mate doesn't count. Like, she's an animal. And then, like, on 301, he has not uttered a word since they left us here. Do you know what that's like? I loved him so. I love him still. I am loyal. I have stood by him until this very moment. And you've received nothing but grief in return. I can sympathize. I cannot imagine what it must have been like for you. But there is nothing more for you in this cave. There is so long as he's trapped here, which won't be very much longer. And then Sigan was like, was this my only purpose? Like, what am I going to do now? And then Angerbrot was like, I don't know, but maybe you two can decide that together. I just want you to know, Sigan has no place in Norse mythology other than being Loki's wife and holding the bowl. Aww. 
I just want you to know, Angerboda has less of a role in Norse mythology, so it's fun to read an entire book about her. Yes. Angerboda says, I'm doing this one thing, and I don't think I'll see you again. And then Sigyn says, and let us part as friends. And I was like, fuck off. You literally killed my children. Yeah. Like, no, we're not friends. And then she frees Loki. She says to him, do you still wonder sometimes whether it might have been wrong for you to return my heart to me? Comprehension dawned, and then he rasped, never. And then he asks her what she's doing there, and she's like, well, I came to ask um, you to ask Hell to come see me. And then she says, this is a terrible thing they've done to you, worse than I had imagined. And once Loki's breathing had steadied, he found the strength to quip, how kind of you. And here I thought for sure I'd be left to writhe in pain for all of eternity. And then she's like, do you still not know what's happening? Which is hilarious to have your wife be a seer and you're just like, no, no, not listening. And then she's not the slightest clue and I'd prefer to keep it that way. What will you go now then? What will you do? Loki opened his good eye to peer at her. Why ask me what I'm going to do if you already know? And then Angerboda gave him a small smile. Because you make your own way and you choose your own path and I cannot take that from you. I mustn't. And he says, well, then don't tell me where to go. I don't want to know. And she's like, and he is like, eh, you're not actually here, are you? And he's like, God, you are really cool. And then they see Sigyn. Sindin, 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 whatever her fucking name is. You're still here? And she's like, yep, I'm, I'm still here. And then they notice, though the sun had just risen, the full moon was visible as well. But they were both slowly disappearing bit by bit, eclipsing. The sun and the moon had a slow, steady, identical shadow moving across them, their light disappearing second by second. It would take hours, maybe even a day for them to be swallowed completely. But once they had disappeared, the world would be completely dark. A double eclipse? That's impossible. It's not an eclipse. And they're like, the wolves are eating it. And then Angerboda thinks, it started the moment I freed you. The breaking of your bonds was the breaking of all bonds, including our sons. Oh, let's just talk about, I was so relieved when they met the sons again. That's about to happen? Yes. On page 307, Oh, so... No, 306. So this is either going to be a heartwarming oh, no, family reunion or he's going to 305, they show up. Yeah. Just go, trust me, please. She gave him one last look and dashed off. She barely made it to the bottom and into the trees before a creature burst forth from the waves. So massive that even standing on a ledge several hundred feet above sea level, Loki and Angerboda were already looking up at it before its entire head was even out of the water. Its scales were blue-green, pointed webbed fins running from the top of its head and down its back. It... He peered down at them with familiar luminous green eyes and dared a mouth bared a mouthful of sharp teeth. He had been a tiny green snake when Angerboda had birthed him. Now his head looked more like that of a dragon. I'll be damned, Loki breathed. Jormungand. At the time, the creature reared back so that even more of his gargantuan body was out of the water, and he angled his head down toward them, nostrils flaring. And then that's where, just kidding, I think it's on the other page. Well, so Jorgamond regarded them for a moment before rearing back and letting out a guttural cry so loud that it shook the very foundations of the rock beneath their feet. And Anger Boda and Loki clung to each other to stay upright as chunks of rock, det rock <laughs> detached themselves from the cliff face around them and toppled into the sea. The Midgar serpent's roar ceased abruptly as they cowered on the ledge. Loki said to Anger Boda out of the corner of his mouth, So this is either going to be a heartwarming family reunion or he's going to tear us limb from limb. Please tell me you foresaw this and have a plan. And then the serpent seemed to lost interest in them and he cranked his head back to the left as if waiting for a response to his roar. When he did, Anger Boda was startled to see 
that the side of Yorgamon's skull bore a crater-like skull similar to her own. And then it will. Uh, she thinks to herself, because they have that kinship, it will take a lot more than that to keep us down for good, won't it, my son? None of them spoke. Yorgamon didn't move. And then his call was answered all the way down to all the way down the shoreline, an enormous shaggy shape rounded the corner and made its way towards them, each step shaking the earth. And then Fenrir was a hundred times bigger than he'd been the last time she'd seen him, his fur darker, his snout longer, and his teeth. That was very uh, Red Riding Hood to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then they hear Yorgamond in an infantile voice said in Angerboda's head, brother. You can speak, Angerboda whispered. He does his best, said Fenrir, in a much deeper voice than the child's voice Angerboda had heard in her head an age ago. Though he could still some some ways away from them, she could hear him loud and clear. It's a good thing we're strange enough to be able to communicate in our heads, or both of us may have gone mad in confinement. Mad, Jormungand repeated both of us and then Angerboda asked I called out to you both did you ever hear me you never answered I tried so many times we were placed beyond your reach beyond anyone's reach Fenrir said it could have been some spell or another the gods put in place or maybe we were just too far and then he says it's been a long time mama I know and Angerboda's like I'm so sorry and then we finally get the heart warming reunion that we wanted yes <laughs> It's like they they both understood, like, Mom, you're not to blame for this. It's him. As for you, Father, believe me, my sons, your father has suffered much as, as of late. I won't ask you to forgive him, but at least spare him with your wrath. Although I suppose letting you kill him would be one way for him to reach hell. We'll make, a, we'll make his a quick death, Fenrir sneered. He's not worth our time. Fenrir, listen to me, Angerboda said in her most commanding motherly tone. Your father isn't blameless, not by any stretch of the imagination. Don't help me, Loki muttered out of the side of his scarred mouth. But he wasn't the cause of all of this. The Azir are the ones truly deserving of your ire, not him. And then Loki's like, I don't know about y'all, but I'm gonna go join Jotunheim's army in the Utgard when I leave here. And then they say, revenge and all that. What do you say? I'm sure they'd be happy to see you at the Citadel. Fenrir is like, is he saying the truth? And then Fenrir is like, we're going to go join the army. Fenrir turned to Ingerboda once more and said, I'm so sorry we didn't have more time, Mama. I've dreamt of revenge for too long to waste another moment. Revenge, Jorgamon hissed, his eyes narrowing. And she's like, my babies are here and they're ginormous. And then she says, go, my boys, and show them what you're made of. She kind of forgives him. And then he's like, and then she's like, hey, uh, but can you go tell Hell something for me? Literally the only reason she came here. Yeah. Tell Hell to come to me. Tell her I can save her. Make her believe you. Her life depends on it. Swear to me you'll find your way to her and you'll tell her. I swear. Swear on your life and hers too. I do. I do. Angerboda, you're disappearing. Angerboda looked down at her hands. They were fading through, though she did not will it so. I must go or I may not be able to get back. My means of travel is in turmoil. Yggdrasil trembles. The alignment of the worlds have been thrown off. The lines separating one realm from the next are beginning to blur, and I fear that soon nothing will separate even the living from the dead, but at least that will make it easier for you to get to hell. And then she's back with Scotty. Mm-hmm. And then Scotty is going to Utgard. And with that, said Angerboda, shoulder sagging, I've done all I can for Jotunheim. Are you ready? And Balder shows up. Yeah. And Hell is with her. Him. I met him. I saw Scotty's name and thought her. And I was like, it's true they're with Wolf Mother, but... 
or the she-wolf, whatever. And then what Angerboda said at the same moment, the woman lifted her head and groaned, Mother? Hell? Angerboda could have wept with relief. Loki convinced her, It's good to see you, little one, Scotty said. And then Hell was like, I'm not doing good. But before, on 314, I said Angerboda, When I saw you, you looked fine. That was before, Hell said flatly. That was when I was ruler of a realm. In that place, a little girl's dead legs functioned without her mother's healing salves. But now that they brought it to the bone, you're no longer ruler of a realm, Scotty asked, but Angerboda knew the answer. My realm is empty. I relinquish the dead to my father. They're all sailing to join my brothers and the giants in their fight against the gods. I have no power over anyone anymore. Which explains this, said Balder, holding out his hands again. I'm becoming more and more solid, more alive, and the rest of the dead, too. My brother Hod went with them to fight, and I, I don't even know which side he'll fight for. But how can the dead come back to life? None of this makes any sense. And Angerboda is like, with Yggdrasil's thrown off its assets, there's just nothing separating the world of the dead from the, that of the living. That's how the dead could sail out of Hell's realm in the first place. Scotty understood. So the nine worlds are bleeding into one another because the natural order of the universe is in complete chaos. And everyone who has ever died a non-glorious death is now fighting on the side of the giants? Lovely. And then Baldur's like, she needs to rest. And then... Angerbetta noticed for the first time that his wife, Nana, who had been so upset by his death that she died of grief, but had been put on a pyre with him, was conspicuously absent from Hell's undead Asgardian escort. And then Scotty's like, I need to leave. Your reindeer have seemed to run off, said the she-wolf. I hope you don't mind a grizzled old dog in her place. And so the she-wolf and Scotty are going together. And they say goodbye. goodbye. Yeah. Please don't go. Anger Boda's voice was almost a whisper as her tears soaked into Scotty's shoulder. I can protect you. I will protect you. Just stay. I cannot, Scotty said, her voice thick with emotion. The dead are joining forces with the giants. Don't you know what that means? I'm to see my father on the battlefield and I will make him proud. You've already made him proud. Who wouldn't be proud of you? Even if you could protect me, it would be at your expense, wouldn't it? If that were the case... Scotty said, if I were to stay here with hell under your protection, do you think I would stand to see you die for my sake too? No, never. So if there's another life after this one, then that's where I will see you again. And then Anger Gabota goes back into the cave and see that Balder had pulled her carved chair over to Hell's bedside and is sitting there looking more solid by the second, but not taking his eyes from Hell's face. And she's like, so you can go get some stuff for me? And he's like, I'll get some firewood, firewood as well. And then he's like, if if I can, because I can't grab things with my hands yeah. becoming less see-through sometimes. And then Angerboda is like, nostalgia, you were like this when you were a baby. And she's like, what do you mean? It's like angry when you couldn't do things for yourself, furious at being helpless. Do you remember when Hell was a baby and she would sit up in bed when Loki and, and Angerboda were done? And she'd be like, what? are you doing? Hell's eyes moved past her mother to the nail binded mittens on the table and she made a face. You still wear those horrid old things? And she's like, I've barely taken them off since you gave them to me. And then Hell's like, I was so angry at both of you, especially Papa. I'd planned to throw him into the eternal river of ice or a very deep crevice when he finally came to my realm. But when he showed up, he looked such a fright that tossing him into a bottomless pit actually might have been an improvement. And that rather took all of the fun out of the idea. And then Angerboda is like, he would have talked his way out of it somehow. It's what he does. He talked me into coming here. I'm glad it was in private so Boulder wouldn't see me cry. It was so embarrassing. Papa said I looked just like his mother, Laufey. 
she's where I got this dark hair from while he, you and he are so fair. Seeing me reminded me of him, of her. And then she's like, I assume you two made up, otherwise he wouldn't have come. And she's like, mm, not really, but kind of. And then she says, thank you for not telling him all the terrible things I said to you. And she says, why would you want to save me after all I've treated you? And she's like, because I'm your mom, silly. And then Hill passes out and Bolter comes back. Do you have anything to say? I don't know what page you're on. 320? I'm trying to look. 320? Okay, because I was a page ahead. Um, no, not until 322. Okay, so Balder comes in and Hell's unconscious and Balder's like, how is she? And then Angerboda finally gets to ask why, the question we've all been thinking, why are you here? And he's like, well, as you said, Yggdrasil was thrown off its axis and the dead come back. And she's like, no, why are you here with my daughter? And he says, she wouldn't have made it on her own. And she's like, and why do you care? And where's your mm -hmm. wife? Didn't she die with you? And Boulder's like, yep, that, that is correct. <laughs> Angerboda's like, well, where is she? And Boulder says, if you're trying to dig up some underhanded motive for my escorting of your daughter to your cave, I'm afraid you won't have much luck. Angerboda's like, well, if you know my daughter so well, what, what is wrong with her? And he's like, her heart, it beats irregularly and with much effort. Hell is, hell is a witch like you, like my mother, like Freya. Did she ever show her power as a child? And she's like, no. And then Angerboat is like, her power is tied to her realm and her realm is empty and gone. So now she doesn't have any power. And then her memory of that vision, though, suddenly slipped to the one that had come just before of the youngest son of Odin tossing her daughter a golden apple and flashing a brilliant smile. It's good to meet you, little hell. Welcome to Asgard. And then Angerboda's breath caught in her throat, little hell running around in the clearing, short of breath, fingertips blue. And they're like, it's been like this forever. Watch over her. And then hell's like, hell wakes up for a little bit when Boulder touches her face. And she's like, you're ridiculous for taking me here when you didn't have to. And then Boulder's like, I did have to. So we get the little weird flirting between these two and hell's sassy like loki and she says don't contradict me you're still somewhat dead which still means which means i'm still your ruler and she's like and he says you're still somewhat my ruler now shut up and then she says you can't tell me what to do and she's like we're not in your realm anymore so technically i can do what i want mm, anger boda says many realizations hit her at once the first was there was a reason that hell had almost died in her womb and that her legs were just Fate's cruel manifestation of Angerboda's folly. There was a real reason that Angerboda had to call her daughter's soul back from the dead before she was even born. The reason that Hell had been dying in the first place. Maybe Boulder was right. Her heart hadn't formed as it should have. And now that Hell had grown and had no magic to compensate for it, her condition would kill her. The second realization was that Boulder had gotten close enough to Hell to hear her heartbeat, to know that something was not quite right. And Angerboda knew then in the way that a mother just knows that it would be useless to save Hell if she wasn't going to save Boulder too. The much younger Boulder had won little Hell's heart ages ago with that dazzling smile. Angerboda had seen it herself in that vision. And so had Loki, who had actually been there. Why did you do it then? Why did you kill your brother's son? The gods took everything from us, Boda. I thought it was high time I took something from them and delivered him to a lonely woman sitting on a dark throne. A spot of warmth for the frigid being, frigid being ruling the coldest realm in the world. So she sees that Loki did all of this for hell. That was it. That's why Odin wasn't trying to prevent Baldur's death. Angerboda thought as she knelt there in the mud, as the last slivers of the dying sun and moon were slowly swallowed up, 
by the ravenous wolves because the safest place for Baldur is with hell. So this was how he was to survive Ragnarok. And then I don't have anything else until 325. Um, you literally... Okay, so it starts on 323 at the very bottom. This soup suited her purpose today of all days. Without hesitation, she unsheathed the freshly sharpened knife at her belt. And so I shall do what I must. And at last, as the last of the light went out in the nine worlds, Angraboda, Iron Witch held her breath the knife cut down and the bowstring released so anger boda literally just cut her heart out did did you not get that yeah i did i forgot okay and i was like excuse me something important happens all right and we see that ragnarok starts proceed uh so basically in this next passage we just see the war going on um the army of the gods is is uniform. They seem to radiate light from their gleaming chain mail to their polished shield bosses. She cannot see Scotty or the she-wolf among their ranks. She doesn't want to look. Maybe they were too late getting to Utgard. They only just left Ironwood after all. Then there's Loki pulling up in a ship of nails filled with, to the brim with dead souls who spill out as soon as they reach the shore. And from the water behind him erupts the Midgard serpent, who with the roar to shake all the worlds, his brother Fenrir appearing at his side from beyond the mountains. The ground shaking with with every loping stride. It's a good day to die, Skrymir booms. It is indeed, Loki says with a wicked grin. And then you continue on. With fire in his eyes, Fenrir makes straight for Odin and swallows him whole. Along with his horse slept near the wolf's own half-brother, only to be kicked in the lower jaw by Odin's son, Vidar, with his legendary shoe. Vidar grabs Fenrir's upper jaw and tears. The great wolf goes down with a cry that rips through the witch's very soul, and then he dies. All the while, I'm in tears while I'm reading this. Jormungand goes for Thor, spitting venom, and after he after a struggle, he incurs a death blow from the great red-bearded god in the same spot as the previous blow, caving his skull in completely. Thor takes nine steps before the venom kills him, and the Midgard serpent drops to the ground beside him, crushing members of both armies beneath his massive body. She has seen this all before, and she finally spies Scotty on the she-wolf's back just as the huntress runs out of arrows. Somehow they'd found their way to the battle after all. Scotty casts aside her bow and unsheathes her father Thaji's sword. Thaji is there with her on the battlefield. He locks eyes with her as he impaled upon a spear and dies again. Incensed, Scotty begins to fight the Valkyries surrounding her and takes several down with her before she suffers one too many strut too many and slides from her mount just as the she-wolf takes a spear to the heart and then loki is quick and evasive but he's not fast enough to avoid every blow he is tired he is pained and he has not had time to recover from his punishment but he's angry enough that it doesn't matter he lands a blow on humdall that renders the god's right arm useless blood gushing from a deep fatal cut between his neck and shoulders Tis only but a flesh wound. Heimdall drops to his knees, his words falling from his hand. Loki pauses and grins with triumph, but that one moment is all it takes for Heimdall to grab the short sword of his belt with his good hand and lurch up and slash Loki across the throat. And as Yggdrasil burned and the witch slipped back into her body and staggered to her feet, cradling her still beating heart against her chest. So she walks in holding this bloody heart and Baldur's like, what's happening? <laughs> and then she's like, it is done, but not finished. Your fathers are slain, and now Surt's fire comes for us. We have little time. We shall burn. We shall be the last to burn out here on the edge of the world. And Baldur doesn't know that he's going to be saved. Basically, Angerboda, since she just put her heart in Hell's chest and puts the little and carves runes on the wolf and puts it under her pillow. I think that's that's the short of it, right? And yep. And then Angerboda 
Balder says thank you, and then Angerboda says nothing and doesn't look back, and she's outside. Yeah, so on page 228, with that, Angerboda kissed Hell on the temple, covered her again, tucking the blankets and furs securely around her frail body. And then the witch turned to Boulder and reached out to grasp his shoulders, giving him a hard look. Do not touch her. Do not move her. She will not awaken until the magic has run its course. And not a moment before. If you wake her before it's completed, the spell will fail and she will die. So she goes out and she does her super cool Saeed fire prevention spell and she dies in the fire herself. Oh. And then she meets um, part three. Eight. And it says, oh, only three souls part? made it to where Angerboda stood. The first was the she-wolf who made it, who made it as to nuzzle her. And then Scotty shows up. And then Loki shows up. But her sons don't show up. I know. I was really sad about that. I was like, where are the boys? And then the part flames three? consume her. Yes. Um, Hell wakes up and she has human legs. And she screams at the sight of them because she has muscles and skin. And then... As she's like looking around, she notices that there's an empty cave and she's like, mom, and nothing. And she sees that there's, you know, footprints leading outside, but it's very dusty and there's layers of ash. And so she goes outside and Ironwood is so green, which she's like, I've never seen it this way. Have all the worlds burned or is this the aftermath? How long have I been asleep? And she again keeps calling her mother and Balder. And just as when she had been left in Niflheim as a child of five, Hell was completely alone. And then she donned the amber beads she had found, which were her mother's, which were given from Loki. Correct? Yep. And so she just continues to do household chores and makes time here. And then Balder shows up. Does she ever find the wolf? Yes, I think she does. I know she does. And I think I may have. Yeah. On 338, her mood was immediately dampened when she extracted the little wooden wolf. She turned it over and over in her hands like she had as a child, but it wasn't the same. The texture wasn't the same, for someone had carved runes into her beloved figurine, and it felt unfamiliar beneath her fingers. She slammed it on the table with a thud that echoed through the empty cave. Okay, so then we don't... Bah, bah, bah. Where, when does Boulder show up? 3.40. So she knows the dragon, Needhog, who's still there, and then of what she had been to think i was once a powerful witch who did interesting things her mood soured considerably at the sight of the dragon and now here i am smiling at a turnip preposterous and then she's like wherever he is i suppose he doesn't care for me as i cared for him she was unwilling to entertain the idea that the footprints prince belonged to her mother she never would have left me when does he come back on 340 <laughs> so she didn't have much time to ponder this because when she was returned to the cave there was someone waiting for her in the clearing her breath hitched, she would recognize him anywhere, even before he turned to look at her, his blonde hair shining in the sun, his eyes the same beautiful blue as the sky, crinkling at the corners when he smiled. He was smiling now, at her. A thousand questions were bouncing back and forth in her brain. Where have you been? How long did I sleep? Where is my mother? They say a witch, a witch used to live in these woods, Balder said conversationally, breaking the lengthy silence a long, long time ago. You're looking at her, Hell said. She moved past him, sat down on a stool. Although it seems to me that there's no more magic left in the worlds at all. Where have you been? You're angry with me, he observed. I don't blame you. But as it turns out, there's just one world now, and we weren't the only ones to survive. Is that so? I suppose you have more interesting company to keep than me, I might have known. It's not like that at all. We've rebuilt Asgard, or we've built Eidavol right where Asgard was, a glorious place with a gold-thatched roof. We've been pulling all sorts of trinkets out of the ashes. Thor's sons found his hammer even, and two of my other brothers survived by jumping into the sea. Even Hod made it. More of us survived Ragnarok than I thought. And there's a waterfall. 
Wonderful. So what brings you here then after so long? What could possibly tear you away from your golden hall? Listen, I had to leave you. Why? Because my mother or your mother ordered me to. A likely story. Your mother saved both of our lives. She ordered me not to move you. She made sure I understood that if I touched you, I'd break the spell she cast to heal your heart. Otherwise, I would have carried you with me. You know I would have. She died protecting you, protecting both of us. But there are no guards and gods anymore. They're all only men. Balder was hoping that Hell would go back with him, and she said, No, uh, quite bold of you, Balder Odis Odinson. Don't forget I was your queen once, and you can be my queen again if you come with me to Idaval. You're not going to include her last name? Which is... Lokadotir. And Oh, hell, Lokadotir. I didn't want to say it, because I can't pronounce it. So. And then she said, My name is Angerboter Doctor. <laughs> Because my father went by Loki Leifarsson. his He used his mother's name instead of his father's, so I shall do the same. Everyone knows I'm my father's daughter. It's my mother they seem to always forget. Um, I don't have anything until 3.45. Stop. Where? What happened to his wife? Why are you so concerned about his wife? She doesn't, she doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, because they have an argument. That she's like, you only care about me because I'm the only lady left and I have legs now. And he's like, I've looked at you like this for a while, homie. And he said, also, you're not the last woman on earth, just the only one whose company I desire. I feel life is quite dull without our ceaseless banter. It passed the time quite well when I was dead, didn't it? Is that a roundabout Asgardian way saying that you missed me? Possibly in so many words. So we get like the Loki and Gerboda yeah. banter at the end. So Helen Boulder raised their children in peace in the forest at the edge of the world where she was born. And then they see the three ghosts. And that's it. Anything to say? Mm -mm. Do we want to get into discussion? Yeah, I was just jotting some down. So I guess my um, main one is we kind of see Angerboda forgive Loki in the sense of she wants him to talk to hell and convince hell to go back would you if you were angerboda forgive loki i guess at the end of the day it's kind of like angerboda says it's not loki's fault mm -hmm. because the real people to blame in any sort of way is still the aesir's fault mm -hmm. even if loki had told them what his kids were like just like not in a in a threatening way, the Aesir probably still would have killed them because they're not considered normal. So I can see where Angerboda finds it in her heart to forgive Loki for that. And then in tandem with the knowing what the Aesir did to him, even after he's, she's like, how can, how do you kill your own kin? Well, they cruel and unusual punishmented him. Mm -hmm. So would you forgive him? I want to say, knowing my personality, I would hold a grudge. I would say I forgive you, but I know I would still be grudging. I would have a grudge against you. I mean, Scotty said there's a difference between understanding and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd understand, but I don't think I would forgive. I kind of think Anger Boat is kind of like in the middle of that. Yeah. Can you forgive someone and still be mad at them? Oh, yeah. I feel like that's where she is. Thanks for taking one of my discussion questions. You're welcome. Um, so how do you think Angerboda handled the loneliness compared to Hell? I feel like Hell is a very independent person just because she had to be forced to be independent. And so I think she handled being alone just fine. If anything, I feel like Angerboda also handled the isolation just fine. Because so I think both of them, like, Anger Hell is Angerboda's child, obviously. But like, you know, like, when you start acting like your mom, 
I feel like she definitely is her mother. But Ingerboda is not mad about being forced into solitude. She just kind of embraces it. Like she told Loki, she's like, I'm just going to die here alone. Like when they first meet. And then Mm -hmm. with Hell, you see how angry she is that she's been abandoned. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, she was angry that she was abandoned, but she also was like, I've been alone before I can do this now. Uh, I felt felt so bad for her when she wakes up and she's all alone. Yeah. And she's like, mom, mom. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like the last section, I literally cried the entire time when I was reading it on the airplane. Yeah. Because it's like... When I think it was after it's after Scotty's love confession that I think after that I just cried the entire time. Which I'm happy that they both came to terms and were like, "All right, I love you, um, and I want to spend the rest of my nights with you until we die." I feel like they had a love, like not they didn't say it, but they said it before she left. Before what? When Scotty made her the cart, the wagon, whatever. Oh yeah, like it was a please don't leave. And it's like, I need to leave, but I I can't have you convince me not to because I need to do this for myself. Do you have any other questions? No. I just have one. I think I'll save them for the... the Yeah. I just have... I have two more. Why does Hell take up her mother's mantle as the old witch in the forest? Because when Boulder comes back, he says an old witch used to live here. And then she says, I am that witch. I feel like because hell has powers, correct? It seems there's no magic left in the world after Ragnarok. Okay. I don't, I feel like she realizes like how much her mother did for her and the fact that her mother sacrificed herself to keep her alive, that this was like an ode to her mother. I was like, I don't, I don't know why she took up her mom's mantle other than for like banter's sake. And then... In the end, on page 333, when the three souls, the three souls come to see Angerboda. 333? Yeah, on page 333. It equals nine. Is there some significance that she dies on on page 333? Or is that just like a coincidence? Because we said nine is the magic number in Norse mythology. I don't know. I feel like it might. I don't know. I feel like that's maybe just the way the page numbers worked out. I don't know. Only you would notice that. Um, Shut up. <laughs> I don't know. I, am I wrong, though? No. But yeah, I think it's just the way the page numbers fell. How funny would it be if it was on purpose, though? Then that would be very interesting how they managed to format everything. Yeah. I just thought it was like, does it have to do with magic because she actually died this time? Right. She does. I finally died. That sounds bad, but yeah. Yeah, apparently you can apparently you can kill someone on your fifth try. It would and make more sense if she if that was the ninth time she died. But anyway. Don't worry your eyes at me. <laughs> All right. Join us next time for our buzz review of the entire book. Yay, and Maria will finally have some discussion questions. I actually had one today, so that was good. Hells yeah. But anyway, um and if you wanna cut uh start reading along with us for our next read, it's going to be my year of rest and relaxation. By Otessa Moshe. What's the section? If I said your last name wrong, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know, but just go ahead and start reading it, and then I'll tell you the pages um, in our drunk review. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. I don't have the book on me. I'm just looking at it on Goodreads. So. I thought you bought it. I do. It's not near me, though. Oh, okay. I was like, Marie, you didn't bring it with you? <laughs> no, I have it. Okay. But... 
anyways we'll see you guys next time yeah follow us on instagram and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and email us at our gmail okay we'll we'll see you next time bye bye